that solves everything. A how-to-do show where Heather takes credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. I used to think that I was a good person. Then I met these folks. Wow. Hey, guys. It's your good friend, Healthy Heather, and you are listening to Heather Solves Everything. You guys know this is the show where I take credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. It's a problem-solving show. Each week, me and my guests talk about the everyday problems of life, how they are solving them, and how you can tap into your unique strengths to solve your problems. Guys, today I'm taking this show into a personal realm. This show is for the ladies. I have my friend Carrie Martinez in the studio with me to talk about my personal problems. Well, my problems and kind of everybody else's. Carrie is a registered dietitian, and I've brought her here today to answer our questions about menopause. Now, I know that I said this is a problem solving show, but Today, we're kind of solving a mystery. Forbes magazine says that by 2025, there will be 1 billion, with a B, women on the planet experiencing menopause. And I am not going to go towards making any type of joke about that. Instead, I'm turning to an expert for answers to your questions and mine about what the heck we are supposed to do, because... Well, we'll get to that. Now, I guess it's not really totally fair because technically, Carrie can really only answer our questions about what to eat during menopause. I'd like to introduce you to Carrie Martinez. She is a registered dietitian. She's based in Atlanta, where she is the owner of Bloom RD, an integrative nutrition practice specializing in a comprehensive and holistic approach to helping her clients create optimal health. I first met Carrie when we used to work together. She became my go-to expert on autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, fibromyalgia, lupus, and other chronic conditions. She also specializes in stubborn weight loss issues and gastrointestinal conditions. Now, I have been referring her, referring my clients to her, and then she became my personal dietitian. Guys, she knows what she's talking about. She earned a master's in nutrition and public health at Columbia. She's been a licensed dietitian since 2013, and she's earned her certified LEAP therapist credential at Oxford Biomedical. She continues to be a lifelong learner in the field of functional nutrition. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the show, Carrie. All right, Carrie, I've got a lot of questions for you. Are you ready to solve my problems today? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Let's get into it. Hip, hip, hip. Here we go. <laughs> All right, Carrie, now you know this. This is not going to be a surprise to you because I have already spent plenty of my time detailing my grievances with the aging process to you. But just for the record, getting old sucks. This is my first question. Do you agree with me that getting old is for the birds and none of us should have to put up with it? (laughs) Well, uh, it doesn't 
doesn't have to be that bad, does it? (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. You know, personally, I think that our bodies should work better with age and experience. I think we should get credit for time served. We've put in a lot of time here. We've learned a lot of things. We've done a lot of things. We should be rewarded for that. Yes, I I agree. And I think we just have to be kind and patient and just know that, you know, aging can be a good thing. It doesn't have to be bad, right? We can just, you know, find those good things. Well, you know what? That is a great um, preview for later on in the show when we're going to talk about how to ride the wave of change in life. Um, But let's start with the big question. So I'm a woman in my mid-40s, and I'm beginning to notice the usual things that I do to manage my body are not working anymore. And I wonder, is weight gain inevitable during menopause? That's the biggest question that everybody wants an answer to. You know, it does seem to be a really big question um, and concern for sure. Um, You know, yes, the loss of estrogen, that is pretty much kind of how we would classify menopause. Um, It does move the fat storage, so to speak, from our um, hips and butt, that hourglass shape that we may have, you know, loved when we had in our 20s and 30s is now being moved to our abdominal area. but I, I do think that it's not inevitable. I mean, we can manage some of that weight shifting um, by what we eat, when we eat, keeping inflammation, you know, down, um, the type of exercise that we're doing. And I think we're going to probably get into a lot more of this and as this, you know, goes on. Um, well, that's just managing stress. Oh, sorry, go on and getting quality sleep. That's good to know because I've been asking my listeners for their questions about um, the confusing landscape of nutrition as we age. And a lot of people are seeing that, um, you know, the normal things that we've done in the past to, um, to manage our weight, to manage our bodies, to stay fit are not necessarily working anymore. But I totally agree with you that... Um, you know, it, we are still in the driver's seat, and I'm looking forward to learning today about, you know, what we need to be paying attention to with nutrition as we age. Um, now, I know that, you know, things change as we age, but I wonder, how do our nutrition needs change as we age? Yeah, so, you know, I would say for one, we do need to actually have more protein, and, you know, it, that's really going to be providing us with more energy, um, it's going to keep us feeling more satisfied so that we don't have sugar cravings. You know, calcium and B12, it, it's been shown that those needs actually do go down as we get older. They, you know, I don't know what it is about the age 50, but they tend to say, you know, uh, um, but I, I mean, it starts to, you know, obviously go down even in the, probably in our 40s too. Um, it, those nutrients just don't get absorbed as well. Um, you know, adding in omega-3, it's going to be good for brain health, vascular, hormonal imbalances. Um, that's something I would say is a nutrient that we probably want to, you know, make sure that we have a lot of because menopause isn't, I mean, yes, waking is a big kind of concern, but there's a lot of other, I would say, um, symptoms that come along with menopause that I hear about. So those are some good ones. Um, some that we might not want to hear. <laughs> 
is, you know, I would say we probably want to decrease the um, the sugar, the white flour, the wine, the soda, like, you know, things that are the fun foods that, you know, we're like thinking, oh, as we get older, we can enjoy life more. And But we have to kind of rein it in because those are things that can obviously be problems. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of where I want to end the conversation about um, letting go of the the um, and I'm not I'm I'm joking. I don't want to end the conversation, but it's like as soon as somebody says, "Oh, well, you know, caffeine and wine and um, you know sweets and desserts," it's like, "Well, come on, what do I have left?" So we're trying to right. find a way to still get to have those things, Carrie. <laughs> Yes, and I, I'm there too. I want to be able to enjoy those things too, especially after a very stressful week. Um, you want to be able to enjoy, and um, it's just it's really about moderation. And so we do have to, and that's why things like the protein, the you know healthy fats, those are going to be important parts of um, incorporating them on a regular basis, so that you don't maybe have the cravings to have as much of those. Um, what I call not so much of the fun foods. <laughs> we want to limit that. We want to, you know, the the 80-20 rule is something I live by. Tell me what the 80-20 rule is. Sure. 80% of the time we want to just make sure those foods are very um, minimally processed. You know, I don't like using necessarily the word clean, but, you know, just whole foods, right? Um, and then 20% of the time, that's where we can have our wine and our cookies and fried food. Um, okay, I can live with 20%. I could, I could live with 20%. So um, you mentioned, you said you don't like to use the words clean foods. Why not? I just think we don't want people to, to be in a mindset of having, it's like with calories too. I don't want people to think that they have to be so focused on their food that what they're eating like is it dirty food like is it is it is it I don't want people to like have a a negative mindset because food there's so many joyous moments around food we want to you know not feel like and judge ourselves we want to just have that moment of enjoyment Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation, guys. I'm coming back in just a minute with your questions. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather from Heather Solves Everything. I want to thank my sponsor, Kylene and Ryan Studios, a local husband and wife photography team who specialize in weddings and portraits of all kinds. Whatever special event you have coming up, they're your photographers for life. With a combined 32 years of professional photography experience, their unique perspectives shine through in every image you see. Find out more at KyleenAndRyan.com. That's KyleenAndRyan.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Coach Healthy Heather and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. Today we are solving, We're well we're trying to solve the problem of figuring out what the heck we're supposed to do 
during menopause to manage our health, especially manage what we eat. Now, I'm here with my friend, registered dietitian, Carrie Martinez. She is the founder and owner of Bloom RD, bloomrd.com. And um, before the break, she was was helping us feel better about whether or not we are, and I'm putting air quotes around these words, eating clean. Talking about how, you know, the words like clean eating um, are buzzwords that, that can lead to us feeling anxiety about what we're choosing. Is it is this clean? Is this not clean? In my coaching practice, I hear this as being good or being bad. And I always want to bring my clients into a new vocabulary of being productive or unproductive? Or am I eating foods that are productive towards how I want to feel and how I want my body to be managed? Or am I doing things that are unproductive? And we're going to continue through this conversation and start talking about ways that we can be productive in our relationship with food. And um, so Carrie, this is one of the big questions. We hear a lot that when we get older, as women, we need more protein. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the role of protein as we age and how we figure out how many grams of protein or how much protein we're supposed to be eating. Sure. So, yes, again, the decline in estrogen, for, which is, hap- what's happening, or is happening with menopause, um, even perimenopausal, um, it's been linked to just having that lower muscle mass and bone strength. So again, we hear that proteins are the building block, which is what they are. Um, that's kind of the underlying simplistic way of explaining why we would want more proteins. I mean, there's obviously a lot more explanation too. It can help with um, just our health. Like when we're not feeling well, it actually proteins are needed. Proteins are needed for detoxification. They're um, all those amino acids that get broken down are just a very important part. And obviously, as we go through menopause, there's a lot of hormonal changes. We need that, that extra, those extra amino acids in our body. Um, you'd also asked about the grams. So I guess just to give an example, an average, say, healthy adult woman over the age of 50, typically we would say, you know, on average, people get about one gram per kilogram of their body weight. So that may be really confusing. Um, as we, again, get into that menopausal age, we want to increase that to about 1.2. Some research does even go as high as 1.5. Um, so an example would be a 145-pound woman that's 55 years old. She does about light to moderate activity. She would need around 72 grams of protein a day. Okay. Okay. Um, Again, that's at 1.2 grams, so we that may, you know, adjust slightly a little bit if we were to bump it up to 1.5 if someone, say, was doing more um, extreme or extraneous exercising, um, we might want to bump that up just slightly. Um, I do want to say a couple other things about protein is that, you know, we tend to eat our protein, um, and it can be animal or plant-based here, and I'm going to get into that also um, quickly. Uh, So we want to balance it out throughout the day. We don't want to have, like, half of it in the morning and half of it in the evening. You know, that tends to be what we 
tend to do. You know, we may have like eggs or bacon or, you know, Greek yogurt or something like that um, in the morning. And then in the evening we have chicken, beans, whatever the case is. You know, we're having that those proteins in the evening and the morning. Um, it's best, you know, they're saying to spread it out throughout the day. Um, that's really what's going to improve that muscle repair growth, you know, preventing the weight gain. It's going to help us stabilize our blood sugar so that, again, we aren't having cravings. That's going to help with weight, you know, uh, preventing weight gain, I should say, um, and just going to be better for us. And then going, oh, sorry, we can ask a question. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm going to include in the show notes a list of um, plant-based protein sources for those of us who want to eat a vegetarian diet um, or just want to cut down on animal protein. Um, That's a big focus for me, and I'm always looking for ways to get plant protein because I have been focused on this as I get older, especially because I'm active with running and weightlifting, and I want to maintain and even grow my, my muscles yes and so you know obviously I don't know if you want me to list some or not but you know lentils beans peas tofu edamame nuts seeds and quinoa those are going to be your good plant-based protein sources Um, and there's actually a lot of research um, you know I I do think that people should you know maybe include things like eggs or fish um, you know and I know it's hard when someone is a vegan, um, again, just for those omega-3s, I mean, obviously fish is going to be protein, too. Um, you know, eggs are just actually a good source of choline and all kinds of really good nutrients, too. Um, you know, but you're, it's good to obviously include those plant-based as a, as a big part of it. Like, some people will say that actually animal proteins, um, you know, especially like the red meats and the dairies, they actually should be looked at more of garnishes so to speak you know what I mean like a smaller portion on your plate rather than like the 10 ounce or 5 ounce or 6 ounce whatever that you know people may get on their plate so we're looking at uh, a bump up in protein from about one gram of uh, one gram per kilogram of body weight to 1.2 to 1.5 so guys get out the calculator figure out your weight in kilograms and then figure out how much protein you really need and then check back in the show notes and um, and look for some good healthy sources of protein now I've got a question here about cravings and whether or not um, our cravings are something that will continue through. This is what my friend Jennifer says: Can premenstrual cravings get worse as you go from perimenopause to menopause? Is the end going to come? These past three cycles, I have had an increase of my cravings for peanut butter, cereal, and ice cream. It's crazy town. Other times I can resist, but now I can literally eat an entire box of puffins in one sitting. <clears throat> That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so is, I guess the question is, can cravings get worse as you're going through perimenopause to menopause? Right. Um, I, I would say this could definitely happen. I think my, just again, coming from my background, my deeper question I think I have is I'm wanting to know why why are they having these cravings because that's not I would say very 
Well, it's just not, I don't want to say it's not very typical. Obviously, cravings can be typical, but it kind of goes back to our previous question. Is, is this person not getting enough protein? Because obviously, mm. this person is, is craving a lot of sweet, right? Um, I mean, the peanut butter cereal, I mean, is there really that much peanut butter in it? I kind of wonder that, you know. So it's like, is there enough fiber in that? Is there enough, you know, protein? And so those are things that are going to keep us feeling full and satisfied, Um I'm also kind of wondering, like, what's going on in their gut microbiome, right? Um, is this person not sleeping well? Is their cortisol levels off? Because obviously when cortisol levels are off, everything's off in our body. And that definitely can cause us weight gain. That can definitely cause cravings. Um, you know, so I, those are things that I'm kind of looking at when if, I hear, if I'm hearing that. Um, so I guess the... I don't know if I'm really answering the question, but I would say that, um, you know, the gut may be in gut in uh, just some dysbiosis when I'm, when I'm hearing that someone is having cravings because it's not maybe as common of a symptom. Um, and we want to get that on track, right, before it gets out of control because, as I just mentioned, when someone has those kind of cravings and it's not with protein and it's not with fibrous foods, like maybe our vegetables or whole grains, then we are going to probably gain weight. We are going to have insulin resistance. And so we're going to have like a domino effect of worse things happening. Um, and I guess just to kind of wrap up where she had mentioned something about, um, is this going to last forever? Is it coming to an end? Um, I think if you were to add more protein, it would probably come to an end. Okay. Um, but I also just wanted to say that you know, menopause, I mean, this might not be the greatest news, but I have read that it can last, like symptoms can last for two to six years. And that sounds like a really long time. That's um, an eternity. <laughs> two to six years. Guys, we are just at the tip of the iceberg of this conversation. <laughs> so what we've learned so far, we need more protein and cravings are more than just one element of your life. We're going to dig in deeper to figure out what we're supposed to do about it. This is Coach Healthy Heather. Stay with us. Hey, guys, it's Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves everything. This is the show where we tap into your intrinsic strengths to solve the everyday problems of life. And I need your help. If you've got a problem that needs solving, let me know. It just might make it to the show. Go to coachhealthyheather.com and click on solve my problems. Submit your idea, send it to me, and you never know, it might end up being on an episode of Heather Solves Everything. Welcome back, everybody. It's Coach Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. And today we are talking about the way that we can adjust our nutrition plans to keep up with menopause. I'm here with my friend Carrie Martinez, um, a registered dietitian, my personal dietitian. BloomRD.com is where you can find out how you can work with her. Now, Carrie, as if women were not bombarded enough, with all kinds of information about how we are supposed to be living our lives, we are also encouraged to go on a diet so that we can control our bodies. And now, to be fair, men get this kind of pressure too, but guys, this is not your day. Someday I will do a show about men's health, but today 
it's ladies first. So, Carrie, I've got some some myths and truths about some of the um, fad diets and also some of the the things that we hear about what we're supposed to do during menopause. And I want to know if you can if you can address these for me. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one, true or false? Hormones are making me gain weight and making it harder for me to lose weight. <laughs> that is somewhat true. Okay. <laughs> somewhat false. Okay. All right. What it's So explain that. So true in that Yes, estrogen does. I think I had mentioned this earlier about the hourglass shape, but you know, estrogen does distribute so differently in our weight and it it can increase inflammation when there's a when there's low estrogen, I should say it increases inflammation and inflammation sometimes gets um we look at that as being like stuck fat, right? It doesn't want to get out of the cells. Interesting. Um, so what we're considering to be gaining weight might be inflammation. True, yes. And so that's kind of the part where it's not necessarily always that's the false part of that, right? Is hormones are the the main problem with making you gain weight. I would say there's a lot of other issues, right? Um, it can be based off of what we are eating, which could be causing inflammation in and of itself. Um, what so, we're eating. So does that mean that our calorie needs actually change? They do and don't. Again, that's a difficult one to necessarily pinpoint to be like a hardcore, this is, yes, you need to have this many calories when you hit this age. Because, again, it's really based on someone's exercise um, routine, which we definitely want to make sure we are exercising, um, especially weight-bearing um, as we get older um, in that menopausal stage. Um uh, but, it, you know, it, it calories, again, I'm not huge on calorie counting per se, but I do think, like I had mentioned earlier, a lot of those, um, we want them to be nutrient-dense, right? We don't want them to be caloric-dense. We want it, We do have to be mindful of the calories that are coming in, right? They need to be coming from those, you know, good, healthy proteins, um, lean proteins, you know, fruits and vegetables for sure, a lot of high-fibrous foods whole grains, um, and those healthy fats, you know, coming from avocado oil, fish, things of that nature. So that hopefully answered that question a little bit. Um, There's not a direct say of what someone should do. I don't think anyone at this point, just because there's a lot of change in our diet, we don't want to be restrictive um, with our calories, you know, well, that brings me to um, to my next um, myth or fact. I see this a lot on um, on social media that when women hit menopause, they should use intermittent fasting. How, what are your thoughts on on intermittent fasting for controlling uh, menopause symptoms? You know, that is <laughs> intermittent fasting is like um, and paleo diets and are just. I feel like everyone's doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of my arch nemesis a little bit. I don't know. Really? Uh, because, well, yeah, because I just feel like everyone is either doing them and they're great or people are like, no way, I would never do that. That sounds terrible. And I'm, I sit on the fence with this. But I will say, I just, I saw, I you know, a recent study in 2019. Um, it did show that late and delayed eating 
um, can actually cause weight gain. Mm. Um, and I know that sounds strange because a lot of people seem to say that intermittent fasting works perfect for me. Um, you know, my, my take is really, if you're going to do intermittent fasting, um, maybe to actually think about flipping it, right? Because this sometimes makes it harder for people, actually, because sometimes if we do that intermittent fasting overnight and then we just have, like, you know, we um, we don't eat maybe until 11 or something in the morning um, versus, you know, 8 or 7 in the morning kind of thing. But if we were to stop eating, say, at, like, 4 o'clock, um, which that, again, you know, and, and do it that way. So we're like, think about a funnel, right? We're, we're putting most of our calories in in the, the earlier part of the day and we're weaning down. That's going to help with sleep. That's going to help a lot with those um, issues that come along, those symptoms that come along with menopause, you know, the hot flashes, the sleep, um, lack of sleep sometimes, things of that nature. And some people will say that it, what intermittent fasting for women in menopausal um, if they're going to do it, it's either best to, um, you know, flip-flop it, mm-hmm. doing it more in the evening, so to speak. Um, so you can eat again at 8 a.m., but you're just like, again, like I said, cutting it earlier. Um, you're, you're stopping when you're the clock, so to speak, of food, you're closing the kitchen um, earlier. The other thing, though, I would say negative about it is that if there's women that do have problems with thyroid or adrenal issues, I would actually either A, not do it, or B, close that window to be maybe just your typical 12-hour window, which is most of the time what we do do. I mean, we ideally should be stopping our meals around 7 p.m., no snacking after that, no, you know, dinner, boom, and then we don't eat again until 7 a.m., so what I'm hearing you say is that intermittent fasting is not a silver bullet magic trick to um, you know, be able to control the ways that your body is changing during menopause, but that it's all part of the mix, that um, you know, paying attention to your hunger signals and when you feel your best and when it's the most appropriate for you, as long as you're getting your calories from real foods that are nutrient-dense um, and paying attention to what might trigger those hot flashes and um, and and feelings of bloating and things like that is going to serve you better than trying to follow um, a, a program that you might find online. Right. I agree with that for sure. Now, what about calcium? Because you mentioned earlier that our calcium needs increase. Um, but what about our non-dairy friends? What should they do to increase calcium? So, um, you know, there is definitely sources they can get from green leafy vegetables like kale, collard greens, um, you know, broccoli, figs, almonds, navy beans, uh, tofu. That's actually they call it calcium. Like it's fortified with calcium. Um, sardines are actually high in calcium. I don't know how many people like sardines, but they actually are really good for you. Um, so, you know, and we should be aiming. It's a little bit harder for sure to get in with the, you know, non-dairy sources, but um, you can do it. And I, I want to just kind of reiterate that it's not always about calcium. So even people that do have, say, milk or dairy um, or, you know, yeah, cheese or something, um, it's, calcium is important, but a big part of it, because we, you know, we do lose it 
again, that's part of what happens when we lose estrogen, um, is you want to think about also vitamin D, magnesium, vitamin C, and collagen. Um, they're also big players in keeping your bones strong. So, um, And I feel like a lot of those sources can be either supplemented or, you know, we obviously want to get it mainly from food, but a lot of those sources, um, like vitamin C, for example, mostly is going to be from plants, right? Fruits right. and vegetables, so it's not dairy-related. So um, just something to keep in mind, too. Well, that makes me think about soy and some of the myths and, and um, confusing things that we hear about soy being bad for us during menopause. What are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people may have, you know, heard like estrogen mimicking from soy, you know, that it's going to cause like breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, without getting too nitty gritty into it, I would say that, yes, the soy, they are uh, phytoestrogens. Um, they do have a structure that's similar to the estradiol, um, which is one of our uh, estrogen hormones. Uh, there's actually three, but anyway, point is it's similar to that um, structure and it's weaker though. It's not going to actually bind the same way like estrogen does. So, and the nice thing about it and what they're showing in research is that um, those phytoestrogen actually are going to help prevent oh. the overload of xenoestrogen. Okay, guys. We can get into that another time. Because that's a big topic. Yeah, well, you know, it seems like this mystery is just starting to get cleared up and then get muddy again. We're going to come back after the break, and we're going to try to clear the water um, with how you can um, get some more answers from Carrie. Stay with us. Thank you to my sponsor, AK Social Strategies, a locally and woman-owned business that provides social media and email marketing for small businesses. Every client feels the love when their social media is curated thoughtfully and personally with purpose and intention. Social media is a business must have, but it's time-consuming and ever-changing. Let AK Social Strategies take the wheel. Find them on Facebook. Just search for AK Social Strategies. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm here with my friend, Carrie Martinez. She is a registered dietitian who is answering all of my questions and yours about menopause we have been all over the place today y'all we have been talking about fad diets we've talked about intermittent fasting we've talked about soy we've talked about protein we've talked about how she says we need to have less wine and coffee as we get older say it isn't so but she did say it's all in the mix guys that's what it really comes down to we're all having some universal experiences of the fact that that our bodies change as we get older and sometimes they become confusing especially when we're used to doing things a certain way and then everything gets flipped upside down but what we're hearing from Carrie today is that the fundamentals still stay true 
eating whole foods, nutrient-dense foods, you know, mostly plants, not too much. We know the drill. Get your exercise, do your strength training, drink lots of water. And um, yeah, there are some things that are going to change, but we are still at the steering wheel of that. Now, Carrie, about Gosh, was it about a year ago when you encouraged me to do a few tests and take a look at my blood work, take a look at my hormones, take a look at my nutrients, get a big picture look at my nutrition and health. And then you were able to recommend some changes that helped me be more proactive with the way that I eat rather than reactive. Can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was, you know, what I did and what that meant? So I'm so glad that you actually did that because I think um, I think you came to realize that uh, you did basically a, a generally you did a deeper micronutrient test. Mm-hmm. And I I think you know we were able to see um, how there were you know several nutrients um, from what I recall that you know your body just really was deficient in and you know my was a big one, I, I do recall. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a pretty high dose that you needed. and um, I took you know, so much vitamin D, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, but hopefully it made you feel better. It did. It did. Um, you know, I mean, not that I'm all about like, oh, just pushing supplements, but I do think that there's times where our body just we can't get enough of that in the food we're eating. So we do need to, you know, that's what the word supplement is. We are supplementing for a temporary period of time to give our body what it needs to make sure it's absorbing it properly um, so that we don't have, you know, um, whether it be joint pain. Um, If we're running a lot like you obviously are and do, you know, you need the magnesium, you know, and obviously magnesium is really important for, you know, again, menopause for bone health for sleeping well I mean all these things that if we were deficient and we didn't know and we just went about our day um we might not we might have more um intense symptoms of menopause because that's a big nutrient that's needed right um so hopefully that kind of makes sense So what do you recommend for women who do want to be in the driver's seat of menopause and give themselves the best chance at thriving um, amongst the change that they know is going to happen? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, just to give a little bit of concrete stuff, I, I information, I would say, first of all, know that, yes, you're on a journey and to be grateful for what you have and be accepting of the change. You know, menopause doesn't have to be this, like, terrible symptom that life stays that you're like, my life is terrible now. Um, Look at it as um, just, you know, point to the experiences that what you can do, right? What I can... um, be grateful, I guess, and just be kind to yourself, I think is what I'm saying. You know, um, if you are a hard core exerciser, um, you know, I would definitely suggest adding in um, some mind-body yoga meditation. Um, It's important to have that mind, um, just relaxing time for yourself, that stress management um, is a big component of managing those symptoms. 
Um, again, you know, the healthy eating is a, a big part of it, but so is stress management. Um, and when it comes also to exercising, make sure that you're doing some weight-bearing exercise. I can't emphasize that um, enough either. Um, yeah, and just, you know, make sure that you're eating those nutrient-dense foods so that you don't have the cravings for those, um, what we call the 20% right. foods. We want to, you know, kind of limit them, right? The 80 20 uh, rule <laughs> is such a great way to think about it because you know, I think that's true in so many different areas of life. You know, too much of anything is never a good idea. And so, you know, sticking with, you know, the nutrient dense foods um, in moderate portions and then paying attention to the things that we know can exacerbate symptoms of menopause, like caffeine and alcohol and sugar. And, you know, we know that to be true. And and you're confirming it for us here today that, um, you know, it moderation is the key and paying attention to your own personal signals. Sure. You know, and I also just wanted to add that, you know, another thing to just kind of, if you're really wanting to kind of get a deeper approach and an alternative even approach, you know, working with practitioners like myself, but, you know, we really get to the underlying cause. It's not like we're just like, oh... You have the traditional symptoms, sure, you know, just take, uh, if you're really stressed out and having anxiety, sure, I'll put you on an SSRI, right? Or, oh, you're having um, weight problems, let me put you on, you know, it's like we don't just patch it with like a Band-Aid, we kind of look deeper, so we might do some deeper testing, Um like a comprehensive hormone test, a micronutrient panel is the one that you did, um, maybe even a genetic workup or food sensitivity test. And I don't know if I have time to go into a little bit of brief of explain all those, but um, I think each of them have their own components that would really create a very um, specific plan that would help each individual. Um, well, that's part of the magic of it. Yeah. That's part of the magic. Mm -hmm. And and guys, just so you know, we've got so many more questions that came in on this topic that we are going to be extending this program into um, the podcast. So we're we're recording on the radio today. Um, and then when you are able to download the podcast version, there will be extra content for you because there are more questions that we have for Carrie. Now, um, if somebody who's listening today wants to, to, um, contact you and work with you and get some of those tests run, how do they get in touch? Sure. They can go to my website, www.bloom, the flowers blooming, B-L-O-O-M-R-D.com. And there is a contact me. Uh, there's a little just quick little questionnaire that you can answer and it, you know, we can get in touch that way. Um, and just to let you know, I do have a little bit of a special uh, for any Listeners today, first two people that do sign up for an initial consult with me and are wanting to kind of get a deeper dive into their hormones, I'm actually able to offer 50% um, off a Dutch test. And again, that test is a, it stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. Um, we're able to look at the metabolites and cortisol and uh, testosterone and pedestrian. It's, it's a really cool test. Um, I don't want to get too much into it, but basically I can give it um, for 50% off. So normally that test is 
$336. Obviously, 50% off, it's 168 So it's a good deal. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. It's a lot of, it's a deep dive into what's going on with you so that you can create that custom approach for that 80% so that you know that the steps that you're taking are not only in the broad landscape of, you know, good old fashioned healthy living, you know, what, what we all know works well for everybody, but are also fine tuned for what you specifically need. And um, I encourage you to take that to take that leap and and jump into that. If you're having symptoms of menopause and you're not sure what to do, um, working with somebody like Carrie can be really helpful. Now, guys, um, stick around. We're going to continue this conversation um, in the podcast version of this show. Um, and so definitely be looking for that on Monday. We're out of time for today. So tune in next next week on Real Talk 93.3 at 1 p.m. for a new episode. And um, on Monday mornings, you'll be able to see the podcast edition. Thank you, Carrie, for being here today. Thank you. Absolutely. And to learn more about how you can work with Carrie, um, just visit her website, bloomrd.com. And as always, you can stay in touch with me and the show on Facebook. Just look for Coach Healthy Heather. Do you have a problem to solve? Visit me. Click on solve my problems and submit a show topic idea. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope something great happens for you today. I'm Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. Status confirmed. This problem is solved. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. You can be a superhero, too. Check us out online. That's where all the information is about how you can jump in and start solving everything. Heather solves everything with a little help from Everyday Heroes. Oh, my gosh, Carrie. Okay, so we just signed off of uh, the radio broadcast of this show, and now it's just us, and we have more questions um, because, you know, an hour is only so long for a big topic. Um, so here's my next question. I... I have been told that I need to put collagen in my coffee to fight menopause. What's the deal with that? That just sounds fishy to me. <laughs> it sounds fishy. I'm laughing because you know that some collagen is made from fish. I know. That's why I said that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, golly. Uh, I thought it doesn't smell like fish. That would be gross. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I think actually it's, doesn't hurt because collagen does build up bone. It improves your skin and hair. Um, obviously, as we know in menopause, it you know we are at risk for bone loss um, and things dry up, so to speak. Um, and so, why not add some extra um, layer of you know? I mean, that's what collagen is, right? It basically. Um, going to provide a layer of, um, uh, for our skin. I'm, I'm losing my brain right now. I can't think. Um, Should I have collagen, though, because I eat a vegetarian diet? Well, I mean, this is where, you know, I sometimes do think that people that are, I mean, if, if people are open to having, you know, collagen, I would say Yes, it would be a good way to do that. Um, you know, that you can get, 
well, I mean, really the best sources that are going to be beneficial is going to be from, you know, obviously, yeah, like your marine or bovine or um, beef liver kind of thing. I mean, you're, I think there's some algae out there that you'll hear, but it's just not the same. I, I do think it would be beneficial, actually. I don't think it's going to hurt you, but... Um, but again, it's a, it has to be a preference, right? If you're feeling like, no, I really don't want to go there with um, that, then, you know, taking vitamin C actually um, helps oh. with the, um, you know, decreasing, um, or I shouldn't say decreasing, excuse me, it actually helps um, with the, like, you need almost vitamin C for collagen. So they both work together to help build up the structure, Um in our tissues, and so that the matrix—that's what I was looking for. The word I was looking for earlier um, in our in our structure, in our you know skin and hair and nail and bone—it um, needs vitamin C um, to help that collagen. So okay. I would say possibly if you know you didn't want to go down that route, um, you could have some vitamin C. You know that would also be beneficial too. Would I need to do that in addition to the multivitamin that you recommended I take? Um, yeah, I mean, vitamin C, because most multivitamins, I'd have to look to see again what the, how much is in there. I don't know if you know off the top of your head um, if you have that in front of you, but um, most don't have too many, or too many milligrams, I would say, of vitamin C in a multivitamin, so it's sometimes good to take extra. Okay. Um, okay, good to know. So my vitamin pack is getting pretty full these days. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously you can get your a lot of vitamin C from, again, things like tomatoes, your citrus fruits, and um, vegetables, so to speak. Oh, I shouldn't say vegetables. People sometimes consider tomatoes a vegetable, but I guess it's really a fruit, so But tomatoes, you know, um, grapefruit, oranges, things like that. Um, you don't necessarily have to take an extra supplement, but if you're wanting to, if you feel like things are drying up, so to speak, um, that may be something good to do. Okay. Now, what about hot flashes? I know that, um, you know, we've, we've heard that wine and caffeine and sugar can exacerbate hot flashes. Um, wine and caffeine and sugar are um, some of the staples of some people's lives. What do we do about that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, those do, obviously, they can be instigators of hot flashes for sure that in spicy foods and um other hot beverages i mean sometimes even tea just i think that the heat in our body can build up so um and yes those are things that people do like too um you know my suggestion would be to um again you don't, you don't have to avoid them um it may just be that um you Find ways, and ways would be um, wear, say, breathable clothing, right? Um, keeping a small fan near you. Um, some people are really big on acupuncture. Um, oh, really? And that, you know, helps. People will say they really find relief in that. Um, sometimes, again, that meditation, that deep breathing just takes you down because a lot of times we're just, you know, those things will start to increase um 
what is it that they're increasing? Um, so there's really not anything that we can do nutritionally to affect hot flashes other than avoiding co- coffee or caffeine, wine, and sugar. You know, some people will say that taking actually a daily, just a daily multivitamin, I mean, you know, at bare minimum, I would say anybody over the age of probably even 30, for that matter, should take a daily multivitamin, I mean, um, and a high-quality one, just because, again, I look at it as like an insurance policy. So that, um, there's herbs that you could take, Um, you know, there's things like, it's not really an herb. Well, I mean, lavender is an herb, but you could do like a sage lavender essential oil mist kind of thing and spray oh. it on you. I'm going to try um, that tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, black cohosh has been studied a lot. Um, I would say it's pretty popular in Europe. Um, it's popular here too, but a lot of people say that that can relieve um, kind of hot flashes in people. Um and the nice thing about black cohosh is that it um, it's not that phytoestrogenic like the soy is. Um, and so it's good for people that, say, are breast cancer survivors. Like, you know, people that do have breast cancer, we want to be mindful of, um, obviously, them having soy products. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything that was not asked by me or my listeners that you really want us to know about managing our nutrition during menopause? You know, I don't, did we go over soy, actually, I think? Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I just, I guess one thing that I do want to kind of mention um, that, yeah, we didn't really mention was just one quick thing about soy is Mm -hmm. that, Um, you know, again, going back to the cancer thing, it's not that it's going to, but I would just say that, um, if there is issues, so to speak in a family or you have a history of, you know, cancer, breast cancer, you know, you probably want to be mindful of having excessive consumption of that, um, limiting that consumption. Um, and when you do have soy, because soy whether it be um, a soy isoflavin in a supplement form or you eat like tofu, tempeh, um, things of that nature, edamame, um, great soy foods, I would just suggest that you buy organic. Okay. Good to know. So that would be just, yeah, something, you know, kind of some good information. And, um, and yeah, at some point, it's definitely not going to be talked about today because it's a pretty big topic, but... You know, thinking about those endocrine disruptors, um, you know, we as females, I was just reading a study from EWG, which is Environmental Working Group. They they said that on average, women use like 12 products per day, meaning like shampoo, conditioner, lotions, makeup, deodorant. And if we're not using... Um, Again, I, I, that word clean came up in my mind, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Using, you know, products that are made from natural um, ingredients. Um, we're looking at fragrance. We're looking at a lot of plasticizers, a lot of just fillers that are basically wrecking havoc on our, um, on our body. And they can basically cause, again, that weight gain that we talked about earlier. Um, it can cause a lot of other problems, too, but... 
um, just something to, you know, not feel overwhelmed. Like you have to completely not only change your diet or, you know, stop drinking the wine and coffee, but now you have to also change everything that you're, you know, putting on your body. <laughs> your skin. Um, definitely sounds way overwhelming to even myself, but to probably anybody. But, um, you know, we just want to take steps, baby steps, and, um, you know, find what's working for you. And um, I think just taking one thing at a time, like, you know, let's just say, okay, I'm, you know, wanting to change out my shampoo. Let's just do that then. You know, go to the EWG's um, Skin Deep app. Mm-hmm. It's also online, too. Um, you can find some products, you know, and see how they're ranked and rate it um, for low toxicity, um, those low endocrine disruptor products that are out there. They're definitely out there. Um, and maybe you can start there and then, you know, slowly incorporating more protein. You know I mean? It's like, so taking those baby steps, again, at a time um, so that you have the best so to speak, change going on in your life during the period of perimenopause and menopause. <laughs> well, that's going to be an excellent topic for another show, um, looking at the the other products that we use. And um, you know, I think that you've given us a lot to think about and, um, and some research to do. I mean, it's good to know <laughs> that really, you know, we are in the driver's seat, that we know what we need to do to manage our health. And that when it comes to the symptoms of menopause, there are some clear places where, you know, we can make some, some simple tweaks, um, but that ultimately, um, you know, we can rely on whole foods, nutrient-dense foods, exercise, and just... Um, you know, staying on top of our stress management to make sure that we continue to stay healthy and strong throughout the changes that are coming. And so thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you especially sticking around for a little bit of extra conversation. And um, guys, remember to check out bloomrd.com, Carrie Martinez, and uh, look for her contact information in the show notes. And uh, thanks for being here today, guys. You've been listening to an extended version of Heather Solves Everything. Talk to you next time.